The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. The Gospel of the Lord. Today's one of these days where there's like a whole, a whole lot here to go through because there's tons of stuff packed in the first reading, tons of stuff packed in the gospel. And then it's also the dedication of uh, St. Mary Major, the Basilica in Rome. And so there's, there's just a lot going on here. But one of the things that Deacon just read lastly in that gospel is probably one of the most important things. And, you know, for our whole entire Christian life, for each one of us, which is our will is very often an obstacle because it is it can be in opposition with god's will and we see that sort of in this example of peter you know where he just proclaimed something so important and so great about who christ is and then yet he starts thinking the way that he wants to think and then immediately becomes an obstacle to him but you know the lord in his infinite wisdom and uh because he's kind of <laughs> he, he's very gentle with us and merciful with us he's just like okay i can still work with that right <laughs> you know he sees peter he's like i can still work with that he's still trying to cooperate even though he's still kind of letting his own will get stand in the way a lot of the times and this is exactly the sin of moses there's more than meets the eye often especially in old testament readings and um, one of the particular things that happens in that particular situation with the rock and the water is it's not just a simple situation of the, the disobedience of Moses. Yes, that's true, but there's something that's super important that we need to know historically about that, that moment. 
in, um, in the Middle East, in that area there, there are like these porous rocks that when it's raining, they'll collect water actually on the inside of them. But it's not like, it's not readily available. So it is known by those shepherds of that area that if you strike the rocks, water will come out of the rocks. So there was a natural reason that was going on there. This is something that Moses knows and the people of that area are aware of. So what ends up happening is the disobedience again is that he does it a natural way that he knows how to do instead of just calling upon the power of God. So he does it his way through his own power instead of trusting God to do it of his own power, you know, like relinquishing power and letting it out of his hands and giving that to God. And this is, you know, from somebody who had a relationship with God and he still falters even of years of providence of God reigning in their lives and protecting them and saving them from things. He still, at that moment, even with that relationship, is just like, no, but I know another way how to do it. And so I'm just going to do it that way. Knock, knock. <laughs> you know, and so again, you know, an obstacle to the Lord's will. And then we have somebody who lives it perfectly, our Blessed Mother Mary, who follows God's divine will in a perfect way. And then instead of, like Moses, not being able to enter into the promised land in this particular case, um, what's the opposition when you follow God's will perfectly? It's just like, well, it's nothing short than being assumed into heaven by the Lord. You know, that's what it looks like when somebody is completely united with the Lord. Now, granted, none of us are our blessed mother, but we can still try our very best to build a relationship up with her so she can help us build a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I still remember, gosh, so many years ago when I was discerning and, and I hadn't entered the seminary yet, um, I had one, one particular dream that I could remember of the Blessed Mother. And, and, you know, I saw her in my dream just like we would see her probably in Our Lady of Lords, you know, like white with kind of a blue mantle and everything like that. And it was the most simple dream in the world, but I guess it, it doesn't need to be more complicated. And she just stood there and said, keep praying. And that was it. <laughs> that was the only message that I got in that dream. But you know what? It was just like, that's the truth. And it's also super consistent with any apparition of Mary that we've ever had. You know, what does she remind people to do? She reminds them to continue to pray, you know, to make penance, you know, to fast for the things of this world, and to follow her son. So the message is never complicated. Every single time she appears to, to the world, it's never complicated. It's this message of faithfulness in following the divine will of God. And we realize that very early in the church, people understood this. So it's the Council of Ephesus, this is like 431, that they're like, Mary, Mother of God. That's when the title of Mary and Mother of God comes around. And that's when St. Mary Major is built shortly after that time period. Where, and it's, and it was the lar it's the largest Marian church in the West, devoted to Mary in the, in the Western part of the church. And it's really old. I mean, you know, if you realize that, you know, Council of Ephesus 431, and then the Pope Sixtus says, well, let's build this, this church, you know, in honor of Mary. That's an unbelievably old church in Rome. 
There's only a couple that are even older than that. Santa Sabina, where they start out Lent every single year, was, was a house church, and then they built on top of that. So, so a lot of our, our history, this is, this is very early in the church. And remember, just because it was proclaimed then, the only reason it was proclaimed then is because it was the practice and knowledge of those early disciples and church fathers that this is a fact, Mary, Mother of God. And so we're always reminded of her example in juxtaposition of two great examples of Peter and Moses in the gospel. They, they are two great examples, and we can identify with them sometimes we, than we can with our Blessed Mother. But if we build our devotion to her, then she always points the way to her son. And so that's the best example that we could possibly have of human living, is the one that said, fiat, let it be done to me. Your way, Lord, not, not any of my ways, <laughs> not, not my ideas, not my gifts, not my talents. God bless you all.